All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume, imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to DraftKings Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo and Golik. Michael Jr., Michael Sr., Jesse Cofield, holding it down for us in the DraftKings studio in Boston. We are brought to you by Wrangler, made for the ride of life. Save 15% on your first Wrangler.com order with promo code GOJO15. Got a great show for you guys. As always, download, subscribe, rate, review. Leave us the five-star rating. Check us out live Monday through Friday, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern, right here, DraftKingsNetwork.com, Samsung TV+, Plus, DraftKings YouTube channel, Roku, and more. Uh, Jed Fish, University of Arizona head football coach, going to join us here today as the Wildcats uh, moving their way up to 17 in the CFP polls. Got a big one against Utah this weekend. We'll talk to him about that and a whole lot more around the world, the college football. We got plenty of NFL to get to today. Actual good Thursday night football game alert coming in right now. We get a division game with the Bengals and the Ravens. Very excited for that one. But, Dad, you and I this morning had the moment that underscores, I think, the fundamental difference between you and I and really the offensive and defensive player mentality in general is I woke up this morning and in a panic because I rolled over my bed and realized I had slept through all of my alarms and managed to just wake up naturally somehow. Like I was 10 minutes past my last alarm usually and there was nothing stopping me from running through the stop sign and missing this show completely. And as I pointed out to you, that meant I went through four different alarms that I have set up on my phone. I've got a minimum of four alarms every morning and I've never once deleted any of the alarms on my phone. You're out here just raw dogging it with one in a way that baffles me. So I started doing morning radio in 1994. 596 in Phoenix, Arizona, where I am now. Uh, morning radio was 6 to 10 out here. And all the way through 
the time, you know, at ESPN, which ended in 2021, uh, which was 6 to 10, and never once. And I, my alarm was set for 4.15 every morning from 1996 to 2021. And I never set more than one alarm, ever. And there was most of the time I never even needed the alarm because my body just kind of woke up. So, yeah, and I never, and, and by the way, ne- I never missed the start of a show. I never overslept. None of that ever happened with one alarm. And that, that's how I've been doing it since 1996. That gives me so much anxiety. Like I am yes. physically, <laughs> my stomach is like rolling. I can't even, I have, I'm same. I have like six alarms and I don't, really? I don't, yeah, I don't need them. Like I don't sleep past the first one, but I have them set. Like, I think it's, it comes partially from, I used to do that in college with college sports with, you know, and it was like, if you were late for something, you know, you were going to get murdered. So you didn't want to be late for anything, but I'll set just, they're like two minutes past each other. You know, it's like five, five Oh one, five Oh three, five Oh five. And I I just have them all there. And then I wake up on my first one and then I turn all the other ones off. That's exactly how mine is. It's four. It's four oh five, four oh seven, four ten, four thirteen. Yes. I had a couple of four twenties in the background there. I have alarms from when I was in college and out still in here. Like I haven't deleted any alarms. It's just pages of them that I reuse. Yeah. I I, I have old alarms set on here for different things to get up. But the top one here now is four forty five, and that's it. Okay. What now? When you say you set. Six, isn't that just snooze? Aren't you just snoozing and No, like moving? there yes. are, but you would have to, you, if you snooze the first one, like the other ones are still right. going off and the first one's still going to go off. So it's basically the idea that what, what happened, exactly what happened to Gojo this morning, which is where you wake up in a sleep induced haze, like a zombie and turn off your alarm and then go back to sleep. So you have five more that are going to go off unless you turn them all off, which apparently maybe that's what you did this morning, Gojo. You woke up, you said, okay, I'm up, and then turned them all off and then went back to sleep. Yeah, basically, it's a it's a real you snooze, you lose situation uh, that went on here. And I was on the receiving end of that. So. Uh, yeah, the Man. fundamental difference between me and my father uh, in, in one nutshell here. Um, we'll get to plenty more on that because Jesse actually hit on one of my favorite things about that is the holdover from like the athletic trauma of having to get up for morning workouts. But in the meantime, it is Thursday, which means we got to start to ask and answer some NFL questions here in the form of three for Thursday. Three things that we got to talk about going into the NFL weekend. And Dad, I want to start with this. We're going to get eventually to your thoughts on the Deshaun Watson injury news because you had to leave the show yesterday right as that news broke didn't get to hear your thoughts on that as the Browns are now going to be without their signal caller for the duration of the season. But I want to start off with the Raiders. Dad, if the Raiders beat the Dolphins this weekend, are we starting to talk playoffs with that team? I mean, I, I, I don't think they're that good right now. I mean, you look at the teams they've beaten. They beat the Jets and the Giants. So I'm, I'm going to hold off on that. They have Miami and then they have Kansas City. Uh, I believe then they have Minnesota and then the Chargers. They're one and one in the division right now. If you have five losses, you're definitely in it. There's no doubt about it. I just don't know. Again, they're riding on this emotion. Antonio Pierce changing things up. Two wins. I called the last one uh, against the Jets. 
I, I mean, they're, they're, they're using Josh Jacobs more. They've been averaged 16 carries before Antonio Pierce took over, now 26 and 27 carries in those games, and they have to do that because they have a rookie in Aiden O'Connell starting. So while by record, if they would win this game, they are certainly right there uh, in the AFC, but I, I, don't, I don't have faith that they're a good enough team um, to make the playoffs, I, I think at the end of the day, the newness of Antonio Pierce is going to wear off and you have the talent that you have. And while we all, I think we all admit that the AFC is not as deeply strong as we thought, I, I still don't think there's enough because I think you're going to get two out of the North. So that leaves one more spot for the other three divisions. And I, I just don't think the Raiders will be one of them. Yeah, I mean, at this rate, I feel like you're probably going to get three out of the North, the rate that we're going could. with this season. Yeah, so yeah you it could. Might be a different three based on the injury news from yesterday and some of the things that we've seen. But I- I'm with you. I-, I can't trust. I can't trust this because of how hard it still looked against teams that are bad. And they deserve credit for winning those games, but you're playing right. close against teams that are bad. Miami's coming off a bye. This is a decided jump up in weight class for a Miami team that had an extra week to get a little bit healthy. So I think this is one where the Dolphins probably get back on track and we start to come down to earth. Now, matchup-wise, listen, especially when you've got Max Crosby out there, you've right. got a chance, and this Miami Dolphins offensive line, if any injuries pop up, we've talked about it, it's a rock popping up into the engine of a high-end sports car. All of a sudden, it can start to sputter a little bit when you can get two off as Mark and out of rhythm, but I don't see that happening this weekend, and so I kind of reject the premise of this question because I think that they're going to lose. Now... This is, I feel like, us having to pay a tax to get to the next question here. Jesse, I've got to ask you a question that I asked you on Monday that I got frustrated asking and so much so started accusing Rob Sala of gaslighting us, which I felt badly (laughs) about after. And so we've got to ask the Aaron Rodgers question again, Jesse. Yeah, obviously. It's just every week we we ask and we answer and we look – Aaron Rodgers says that he expects to be back this season, okay? He's that's he's saying it, all right? He's publicly saying it. And if he's cleared and if he's willing to play, Robert Sala, after being asked about this so many times, has said, look, I'm not going to be stopping him. So he said Rodgers basically is going to have the final say on the decision. Take a listen. Aaron's, Aaron's, a, uh, Aaron's a big boy, grown man. And uh, uh, no one's going to know Aaron's body like Aaron knows his body. And if he feels, after all the doctors clear him, and I'm sure there's a million of them, I have no idea on that stuff. But if if Aaron says he wants to play, he's going to play. Do you remember, <laughs> uh, I think it was actually a Taylor Swift quote. She was like, I would very much like to be excluded from this narrative. I'm not sure what she was talking about. It was from years ago. But I feel like at this point, Robert Sala is like, for the love of God, like, I don't know. He's like, the doctors and Aaron, they'll tell me if he's going to come back. And if he wants to come back, he can come back. He needs to just bring a tape recorder up. I don't even know if we still use tape recorders. Bring his phone up with a voice yeah. memo and <laughs> just play the same answer each and every week. Because dad, And you know what? I do want to say this because I heard uh, Aaron talking about this on McAfee's show about 
his approach to this and you know the <laughs> the people that took what Billy Gill said on the Levitar show seriously <laughs> and twisted it into rumors that Aaron Rodgers' injury was fake, which is just oh, incredible. Yeah. Billy oh. is my hero. The Duke himself. I mean, Dad, you're with him on God Bless Football every week. Yep. Billy's a national treasure, so God bless him for introducing that into the ether. But like, I heard Aaron Rodgers talk about why he structured things the way he did. And, Dad, you know this, and we've talked about it before. Rehab is a lonely time. It is a really unfun portion of athletics because you're basically a separate person from the entire team. You don't do the same cadence with the team every day. You're not in the same meetings. And so Aaron said having a goal like this has helped ordered his steps in the rehab process. It's given him an extra emphasis on attacking this in a way that he feels like is going to give him the best chance of getting back the soonest. Now, he says, yeah, my goal was to get back this season, but Dad, you know this, a lot of times it's that shoot for the moon, and even if you missed, you'll end up amongst the stars. It feels like that where athletes are wired to, and I figured this out after I was done playing, is I still like having physical goals when it comes to how I'm going to push my body to do anything, for Aaron Rodgers, this just feels like an athlete brain thing where you've got to convince yourself, I'm going to try and do this, and so my effort adjusts accordingly during the process. Well, I mean, that, we, we all have you know the physical goals of where we want to be to start a season. And then with the injury, listen, the little bit of a difference was him. We talk about how you disappear, you become a ghost on that team. He's not. He's a walking headline, right? I mean, whatever whatever he does, wherever he goes, a camera is on him looking at his stride, looking at anything where the normal person like a me who gets hurt and is off, you, you're, you're completely disappeared. You're gone, you know? Then nobody even yeah. thinks about you until you're back on the field. And, and what Robert Sala said, and he's certainly not going to go into it, but from the standpoint of, and he certainly knows way more than he's saying. We, we all know that. But for the most part, he's right in saying there is no discussion on anything until the doctors clear you. So one thing that, that the coaches have zero, and coaches love control, but this is one of the things they have zero control on. They have to wait until there's medical clearance for them to even have the discussion about whether they want to put a player back on the field. <clears throat> and that discussion would happen. I mean, would Aaron still want to come back a, if he could, and I think we both still think that that's not going to happen, but if he could, would he want to come back if the team isn't really in it? Would that be just tempting fate for next year and have to worry about a rehab again if you were to re-injure for next year? So I'd think long and hard about that. If they have a shot for the playoffs and a shot to do something and their defense is still playing really well, then listen, I get it. You know, every year is its own year. You know, you don't you don't think about well, well, we, if we can get close this year, we can do it again next year. Man, you have no idea. You have no. Dan Marino thought that when he went to the the, the Super Bowl early in his career, and never got back again. It just you know it doesn't happen that way. So you take your shot when you can. I I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think he's going to be able to come back. He's moving around great. Uh, he really is. But there's a big difference of moving around great and doing what he needs to do. So we just have to wait and see where they are. I mean, they're, they're actually one and one in the division. I mean, even though they have the five losses. So, you know, let's, let's see what they can do. I, I don't think they're going to be there because you just can't trust their offense enough. And a lot, of, a lot is on the defense right now. 
I just, I don't think this is real. Like, I don't think him coming back this season is real. I think we've taken what he said with athlete brain of, I need this goal, so I work very hard in the rehab process, which I actually understand. Like, I don't blame Aaron for framing it that way because that's how you've got to do it to accomplish otherworldly goals. Athletes push themselves past limits all the time by setting unrealistic goals that the outside world deems that way. I'm saying it's our fault for giving it credence and treating it like a realistic headline every week. That's a media thing. I think we did that. In this one case, I might actually not blame Aaron Rodgers for drawing this kind of attention and doing this. Uh, let's get to uh, a, one more question here, Dad. And it's what we dealt with yesterday when you were gone is the Deshaun Watson injury news. So, Jesse, we got that announcement handed down during the show yesterday. We were reacting on the fly. Since then, we've gotten to hear from a lot of people, including Deshaun Watson himself. Yeah, his season is over you know, leaving Cleveland without their franchise quarterback here. And he was honestly just as shell-shocked as anybody else. Heard about it. Um, but, you know, I'm going uh, to make sure, you know, I keep my head above water and, and make sure I stay in touch with all the guys and um, support them as much as I possibly can and, and you know, attack this rehab process um, after surgery and, and make sure that I'm doing whatever I can to be beneficial for the team um, while not, you know, actually being on the field with them and also, you know, prepping for, you know, the next year. He literally said uh, in that presser, he was like, yeah, I have no idea when it happened. I don't know what he, he was like. Yeah, I just realized something was off and then the rest is history. So not great. Not great for the Browns. Not a good look at all. Dad, it's so interesting how similar this feels to Baker Mayfield's last year in Cleveland where he played most of that season injured as Deshaun Watson has this year. It didn't really, after the initial shock of it, affect the way that we digested or judged the performance on the field. But now it gets a finite end. He played most of the end of this game injured and had his best half during his tenure with the Cleveland Browns. With this news, Dad, is the Browns season over? Like, is this done at this point? Man, it's hard to think. Now, because their defense is so good, you have to give them a fighting chance, right? I mean, because they're, they're sitting pretty good right now with their record, just three losses. They're 2-2 two and two, uh, in the division. The only undefeated team in the division is Pittsburgh. They just keep kind of doing their thing. And that's who Cleveland plays this week, Pittsburgh and then Denver, the Rams, and then Jacksonville. You know, I, at some point, I, I would have to keep, stop saying people aren't going to make the playoffs like the Raiders or like the Chargers or like the Browns because somebody is going to make the playoffs most likely. Um, man, I don't know. DTR, they're going with him. Remember the last time he started, he only had about 90 minutes notice that he was going yeah. to start, at least now. And it was he against has... the Baltimore freaking Ravens. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. So now he has the week to prepare He's, and, and so he didn't really. He has three interceptions, no touchdown. Uh, P.J. Walker, one touchdown, five interceptions. So they, uh, the GM, Andrew Barry, said they're going to go out and get another quarterback. Whether that quarterback is a contributing quarterback, we'll have to wait and see. But right now it's resting on, on DTR, who you know we watched in preseason, and we really liked what he was doing, the way he was moving around, and every, everything uh, along with that. So... But this is a different story now. It's a regular season. It's not vanilla defense as you're playing like you do in the preseason. But again, he had the whole or he had the week to actually prepare for this one. I still give them a shot, A, because of where their record is right now. Uh, sure. As far as three lost teams, the three lost teams, there's three of them at the, in that division. And then still one four-loss team 
uh, outside of that division uh, with the Texans and then five lost teams. So they have a little bit of leeway there. We'll see. And also, it's not like Deshaun Watson was lighting up the world, right? I mean, it's not like he was playing like the top five, top eight quarterback he was in Houston. Uh, I, I think things were starting to get better. Uh, so it's not like you're going, oh, my God, we had an MVP candidate to, you know, a youngster, you know, who doesn't have a lot of time. So possibly and because of their defense, I will always give a team a fighting chance. So, yes. Yeah, in terms of DVOA, the Browns are the number one defense in the NFL right now. And you saw that on display for large portions of this weekend. I'm with you, Dad, that uh, Deshaun Watson had not really been a value add. He had gotten out of being a negative like he was during the middle of the season. 14 for 14 in the second half this week. Legitimately good. His best attribute, I think, has been shrugging off tacklers in the pocket and using his legs to get positive yards for them. It is, and we brought this up yesterday, Dad. Still, unfortunately, the sad reminder that yet another team had Josh Dobbs in the building during training camp and let him walk out the door right now because with Josh Dobbs, a lot of these worries, I think, are quelled because of the quality of the rest of the roster around him. Because you walk at that, look at that game, Dad, between them and Baltimore. You had two different tackles. You were down both your starters at tackle, and even Dewan Jones wasn't in there who had been holding down the fort for you as well. And against this very good Baltimore Ravens defense, they were able to hold up pretty well moving the ball in the run game still. And, and still, you know, we're, we're going to look at that and people are going to look at that and say, boy, you had Josh Dobbs. You don't know what Josh Dobbs was going to do. There's a reason Josh Dobbs has been on a lot of football teams, right? I mean, he's, he's playing really well now in Minnesota, but if he were playing this well, he would have been on one team for a lot of years. He just, he hasn't, you know, and you wonder, does it start to level? It's a great story right now, but does it event, they have a lot of games to go, does it eventually level off? So I, I'm not really going to go down that narrative because it's not like Josh Dobbs is saying, oh my God, you let go of a future Hall of Famer. You know, it, it's a guy who's, who's bopped around a little bit. Well, I mean, listen, Josh Dobbs is looking at Geno Smith's America and wondering what can be possible at this point. Maybe the pastor not just needed to change the scenery. Maybe it was more about <laughs> you, Cleveland, than it was about Josh Dobbs. How about them apples? Coming up next, let's get to the fallout from NBA Fight Night. Draymond Green's suspension. Was it enough? Was it too much? Next. Hey, Dad. What do you do when you're out with friends, the waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help? Mm, That's a great question. So what what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge, you grab the bull by the horns, you find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision and just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. 
And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. All right, we will get to the suspension for Draymond Green. Five games handed down during the NBA action last night and something hilarious that I heard on in the uh, NBA Countdown show on ESPN. But, Dad, you and I were waiting through the beginning of this show uh, yep. nervously because we're boys and because this is not our information to divulge. But you have been given express written permission by the grand poobah of our family, my mom. Uh, in this case now, Grandma times two here. Well, that would be Gigi. You call her grandma, she's going to punch you right in the face. Uh, so it's Gigi and Pappy is the way we go as grandma and grandfather to one now of Jackson, uh, son of Jake and Jenny. And last night, uh, we now added our second grandchild, Sydney, our daughter, uh, pregnant, uh, her husband, Ben Broniker. Uh, they welcomed in Alexandra Christine Broniker last night. Uh, in the 7 o'clock hour of Arizona time, so Jesse, out by you, 9-something, okay. uh, 7 pounds, 11 ounces, 21 inches long. Uh, they will call her, she's Alex. Uh, so all everybody is healthy, wealthy, and wise. No good, no, no worries, no problems at all. We'll, we'll put out some pictures at some point once we get, you know, uh, Sydney says yes to that because I'm not I'm not crossing that one you know I'm not yeah. going down yeah, that road yeah. of, of not you know I was given permission by you know Chris to talk about this I said I'm not going no further until I get permission of everything but everybody is good we stopped we went by last night uh, Chris and I got to hold the baby see the baby and she's beautiful absolutely beautiful it's very very cool so and, and I said as we said uh, Sydney is doing well, and nobody ever asked. But you know what? Ben is doing well as well. Okay, nobody, you know, Jesse, nobody ever asked time, about yeah. the father. Okay, all right, yeah. but he's doing fine as well. He goes through things as well. Okay, us men, we don't just sit there and. Do- well, yeah, we kind of do. Yeah. Uh, never mind. Time to. The man doesn't <laughs> get father. asked how he's doing because he did not just tear his body open to bring a human into the world. <laughs> so he just stood there and was like, you got this. So, yeah. <laughs> Go team. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Ben, yeah, ben he was, was content not, uh, in every picture that we saw of him. <laughs> he does. He, and, and Ben was not harmed, um, as I was a little bit uh, in one of the bursts. I, I, I caught some scratch marks on the chest. Ben was not harmed. Oh. In any thoughts, way, thoughts and prayers. Uh, so, so, God yeah. gave his toughest so. battle to you, his strongest soldier. So yeah, it's yeah, uh, it, yeah. this is all so weird. I don't know what it is. Uh, you know, Jake is a year and a half younger than me. Sydney's five years younger than me, and yeah. just the youngest in our family, and in general, has always been perpetually that in my mind. So the image of her holding a baby from last night was a jarring reminder of how quickly time marches on. Like the fact that she is going to be someone's mom yeah. now is mind blowing to me, and I'm sure mind-blowing to you and mom <laughs> oh i like i like i said forever you guys are now going to be called mom and dad which is just a a stunning realization and yes for for all those that know sydney uh to oh. know that she is now in control of another human being controlling and 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 raising another human being we all chuckle a little bit which makes it all the more where she is going to just surprise everybody who who knows her and knows some of 
you know, the things she has done, and she's going to be great at this, right? This is where she is going to pick it all up and say, you know what, I can do this and be a great mom. I have no doubt that she will. But all those that she grew up with, uh, being very little and then obviously college, are going to go, oh boy, Sydney is a mom. Wow. Well, you make a lot of jokes about how Sydney spends a lot of your money, and now she has a little mini me to help her. So, yes. You know. Yeah, you know, she's just I enlisted more in the forces to go and use yeah. the use the luxury card. Yeah, I, I did. But the, the, there was already a caption in some of the pictures going around in our group text, and there's a beautiful picture of her face. And somebody said she's saying, "Where's my credit card?" Yeah. which you know is is not far off from what's going to be happening. I mean, that that's exactly you know when when Sydney is looking for help from us, you know, is it diapers, is it formulas, whatever. She's like, "No, I'm just wondering how early you can give her a credit card." Yeah, I mean, with she her needs, name on it, she's gonna need some really good yeah. Christmas outfits, some Christmas drip, some Thanksgiving drip. I'm, so I already yeah. got her a Christmas. She's a day old, Jesse. She's good to go. She's got the she got the Bucky's one coming oh. out here spoiler alert for sydney and everybody listening right now i got her and jackson dripped up when i went to bucky's last week for my first time in the state of texas so they're taken care of she's taken care of my biggest worry in all this is the added mom strength because my sister and i don't know if anyone here has heard me say Ooh. this but i've said this before on air in the past my yeah. sister's got the strength of like an adolescent <laughs> chimpanzee like it's yeah. very unnerving she almost killed me one time putting me in an arm bar and yeah. now when you do that and soup and like combine it with mom strength we hear those stories all the time of moms being able to like deadlift a truck off their baby yeah sydney just casually during the day her child will be in no danger is now endowed with enough strength i think to rip a car door off pretty effortlessly yeah oh absolutely she that primal mom strength is flooding her body right now Let, let's it, just it be is, honest it is no she, doubt she, she's she scares us right right she, oh, she's she, she very scares scary. you guys very scary yeah and yeah, now, yeah, oh yeah. yeah, now she's got her baby. You guys should just, you know, be careful. Be careful, I'll say. Well, I, I, listen, it's easy for me. I just buy the, buy her a lot of gifts. Uh, I mean, that's that the way to go. Well. That's the way to go. <clears throat> yeah. Keep her, keep her on your good side. So congratulations to Sydney and Ben. Yes. We're super fired up. Can't wait to meet the little peanut uh, and go and, uh, and, and see another uh, niece, a niece now of mine. I have to get the, uh, the other verbiage in here. Niece and nephew That's right. added to yeah. the fold here uh, that we can go here and spoil and protect and do all those wonderful things with. And um, little girls are the best. Oh, they're so cute. Yeah, I know we've unlocked awesome. a whole new layer of like yeah. fun gifts to buy and yeah. little things there. So going to be a very exciting time in the Golick family there. Uh, congratulations to them. Congratulations to Draymond Green, the proud new owner of a five game <laughs> suspension. Dad, you wonder if it was the dad strength that took over in him is the reason he choked out Rudy Gobert and that five games feels right. Like, I, I don't especially in the I, I guess this is my thing, and we do this in Major League Baseball all the time when we see suspensions. Mostly we laugh it off with pitchers because they get suspended X amount of games and they're only pitching every five days, and so it doesn't really right. end up mattering. Draymond Green suspending five games, not insignificant, and I don't know what paycheck he draws per game, but I'm sure that's a pretty hefty fine that it amounts to as well. But this feels like how long you need to get suspended after you openly choke somebody out in an NBA court here. It makes sense. It's not ultimately going to matter because five games in the course of an NBA season is especially being played in November is a drop in the bucket. But, Dad, I don't know about you. I didn't have a real strong reaction to this other than, yeah, that seems like absolutely the right penalty. I think any time with um, – uh, by the way, I believe he signed a, signed a four-year, $100 million deal. So 
Mm-mm. While it w- it'll be significant, mm. the money he's going to lose, he'll be able to ma- you know make up for it a little bit. He's going he's going to be okay. Isn't there really any number you see along Draymond Green's name for suspension? You're just like, okay, yeah. I mean, it's in for people that don't know the way it works. It gets magnified for your reputation of what you already got have gotten in trouble for. You know, if this was a first time offense by someone, it probably wouldn't have been five games. But Draymond has gotten suspended before more than a few times. Uh, so he gets he gets things he gets he gets bonus games. Uh, he's the winner yeah. of bonus games uh, because of his history. So it doesn't shock me any. In all honesty, Mike, I was waiting to hear a couple of more games. I mean, he was literally trying to put Rudy Gobert to sleep. He literally was trying to put yeah. get the sleeper hold in on him. And I think he wanted Rudy Gobert to slump and go to sleep for a little while. Yeah, Rudy Gobert um, was like, he didn't even choke me out that hard. I wasn't even close to passing out. I'm like, if you got to say that. Yeah. You probably need to not be saying anything right now because you got your ass kicked. Like you, you got you got choked out and you couldn't get out of it, right? And and while Carl Anthony Towns tried a little bit to help you out, he couldn't yeah. get him off you either. So Draymond Green was controlling that situation and now he gets to sit and watch for five games. So yeah, any suspension for him doesn't really shock me. And as we talked about, it's earlier in the season. So it was just what number you're going to hear. Now we'll see if he appeals it. I have not heard yet if he's appealed it or not. Normally you just appeal to appeal uh, to see if you yeah, can get I've less games. Usually but it's just yeah. a PA process. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, but I, I don't I don't see anything wrong with it. I thought it would be in that area. And, and as I mentioned earlier, when it's Draymond, I never really questioned the amount of games involved. I laughed because last night I was watching the NBA countdown crew with like Will Bond and Perk and all those guys. And yeah. I forget who up there said it, but someone's like, hopefully we can get past this and get back to the Draymond that we know and love. This is unbecoming. The NBA, there's no what? place in this. I'm like, this is the Draymond. This who is the exact watching? guy that we've been dealing with for God knows how long. Oh my Zach Lowe's talking about Seriously? how people are frustrated potentially in the Warriors building. I'm like... They know that this is the guy. What are we doing here? The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans, we feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome. 
Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. Let's take a look at what's going down in college football this weekend. We got four head-to-head top 25 matchups to look forward to. Georgia, Tennessee, Washington, Oregon State, Kansas State at Kansas, and Utah at Arizona. So we got some big games this weekend, some fun stuff to look forward to, but also some big news, which is that JMU has officially been denied their waiver. Boo, boo, boo this man. No bowl game for JMU. Guys, it's sad. It's like the NCAA doesn't like fun. Yeah, a completely (laughs) unserious governing body that we know is on life support and on its way out in a number of ways. But, Dad, this result was not surprising given the fact that we have seen three other committees that have met and looked at this waiver for James Madison, who's one of the teams alongside Jacksonville State and Tarleton State that's making the transition from FCS football to FBS football, Division I football, however you reference it there, that's normally, for anyone unfamiliar, a two-year transition process where in that time, you're allowed to play a mix of SCS and FBS opponents, and you're not eligible for postseason play. And so what we've got here and the reason why James Madison, I'm a little less familiar with the Tarleton State and Jacksonville State of it all, but in James Madison's situation, Dad, you look at this school. Normally these rules are in place to make sure that you don't get out over your skis, that you're not a program that lacks the resources and makes this jump too soon and all of a sudden you get beat up, you get beat badly, or on the other side to make sure that you're not a team trying to capitalize on like one or two good years of a team you feel like you have, jump up and recoup the financial benefits, and then jump back down to the FCS level. But in this case, for James Madison, the way they have gone about this right now, the Sun Belt making them a full member outright and allowing them full scheduling in their first years in the Sun Belt erases some of that. The way that they have structured themselves and prepared this program resource-wise leading into that. They've done all the things to basically take away the guardrails and the things that you worry about for a team in this position. They're saying, we're good. We don't need training wheels on the bike. We're ready to ride because, Dad, they are ready to ride. They're unbeaten in the Sun Belt right now. If they were allowed to play, they'd be playing in the Sun Belt Championship more than likely. And because of what we know in the college football playoff, the highest-ranked group of five team is eligible for one of the New Year's Six Bowls. C. Tulane last year winning over USC in the Cotton Bowl. That would likely be James Madison this year. Tulane's been in the low 24s. Jam, you would have a real shot for that, Dad, so it's devastating for the players involved and the NCAA who's been on this kick of we don't want to do waivers for everything. We saw that with uh, North Carolina and their wide receiver earlier in this season where for so long they've been giving out these exception waivers. The NCAA said if you think the rule is wrong enough, we should address it with the rule change. That doesn't help the players in the here and now. And again, this organization is so lost that it can't see staring it in the face. Your charge is to protect the players involved. Your charge as the NCAA and all these BS commercials you want to flout in front of me about you go pro and other something other than sports and what this prepares you in life does nothing to help the actual players involved on this team who are taking a loss because you can't see the obvious exception to a rule that you admit might be faulty. So the other t- Tarleton State, they're still in the FCS. They're going to make their move, but they're still in it right now. Jacksonville State is in. I believe Conference USA. Uh, yes, yep. they're, and they're seven, seventy-three overall, third in the league, with five and one. And then, and then you have James Madison, as you mentioned. You know, they they they, they are mixing and matching schedules. They're playing Division One right now. The explanation, I would read it, but I don't want to give the NCA the satisfaction of me reading their explanation because it is word vomit. 
It is complete word vomit of their explanation of trying to justify what they are doing. Now, James Madison and Jacksonville State, two teams, one undefeated and the other is, has seven wins, can only play in a bowl game if there are not enough 500 teams to fill the 82 spots in the 41 bowl games. So they have to wait and see if there's not enough 500 teams and then they could possibly play in a bowl game and they're ousted until then. It, it's a joke. And, but, Mike, it's not shocking. The NCAA is a joke. Some of their decisions are ridiculous. And I know it's a, it's a monster undertaking of, of trying to oversee what they oversee. But they, they have slipped on the banana peel so many times over and over and over again that, one, we never give them the benefit of the doubt at all because they don't really deserve it. And then you just just looking at this situation, just like the Tez Walker, that just blew my mind of why that took as long as it did, the wide receiver at North Carolina. So I, I don't understand this. As you mentioned, the only unbeaten team in their conference right now, and they in the Sun Belt, and they can't play. Not even forgetting a bowl game, they can't even play in the conference championship game uh, after playing a full conference schedule and being the best team in that conference right now. Just saying it, just saying it and realizing that they can't play is a joke. I, it, you, you, almost, you almost can't say everything without laughing out loud at how ridiculous it is, yet it's the NCAA. So much like Draymond Green getting multiple games for a, su a suspension is expected, the NCAA doing something stupid is expected. No doubt about that. Uh, joining them in doing something strange and unbecoming, uh, Jesse, is the Lombardi Award. So we're in award season right now. College football awards are naming a lot of their finalist groups for the various awards around there that we see handed out at the end of the season. And I understand a lot of this is vanity and popularity contests and it, you know, it you can have an opinion on the awards if you like, but these things do matter to players and universities and the legacies involved. And Jesse, the Lombardi now back-to-back -back years has gone with an absolute head-scratcher for those of us in the beef community. Georgia tight end Brock Bowers. Tight end Brock Bowers. So I'm a little confused here. Do we not know how the Lombardi works? Like, can someone explain this to me? It's nation's top offensive or defensive linemen, right? I mean, what am I missing here, Gojo? Yeah. That's, uh, that's what I always thought, too. Now, the Lombardi had like a four-year flirtation where they wanted to try and open it up to the best player overall. I think Joe Burrow right. won the Lombardi during that yeah. time. But it has since shifted back, and the award does not even acknowledge the non-beef players that won the award. And so when you look back in the history, Dad, the verbiage of the award is to allow for offensive or defensive lineman or off-ball linebacker. Manti Teo, Luke Keekley, both past winners of this award as well. Guys that spiritually fit the moniker of the uh, positions that Vince Lombardi was associated with. And looking at this, on the offensive side, it says down lineman within 10 yards of the ball on either side. This is a man in Brock Bowers who, no disrespect to him, is a phenomenal player and should be considered for almost every award in college football based on what he's put on tape and deserves a ton of credit for coming back as quickly as he did from injury here. But that yep. being said, Dad, part of the joy of Brock Bowers has been that he can do so much away from the line of scrimmage that you can split him out like a wide receiver, that he's been the most compelling threat on this Georgia team here. And so I just don't understand why we got to wedge him into the big boy award here. You're infringing on our territory. Brock Bowers is going to live a life with abs and running fast and not not sweating when he walks Abs. upstairs. The very least that we can do with the fat guys here is give them this wonderful block of granite award and not give it to the skinny guy. 
Uh, listen, I, I, I agree. Uh, I agree. And they did have that four-year period from 2017 to 2020. So four times it was a running back, a safety, a quarterback, and well, a linebacker. A linebacker could win it. We've seen linebackers win it before. Uh, but there was the other positions, and, and, and they're not even recognized basically anymore uh, after Lombardi went back to its original criteria. Yeah, I don't get it. And, and as we said, Brock Bowers is, is – if he didn't get hurt, I would put him right there with Marvin Harrison Jr. for a guy to win the Heisman. Well, we know that's a quarterback award. You know my thoughts on that award. Uh, but they are awards nonetheless. But to be able, like Brock Bowers, to win the Mackey Award for best tight end, the Bolitnikoff for best wide receiver, and then the Lombardi for best lineman. Now, he's a, he's a good enough player to where, where you say, boy, he's one of the best, if not the best, in all of college football. But, yes, yeah, seems a little odd. But let me ask. Linebackers are off the ball. I mean, we usually talk about linemen, you know, but linebackers are off the ball. So do you have a problem with that? I mean, do you think it should be No, just- because it's stated explicitly in the ward that they're allowed to. So I can understand that. It's been baked into it for a long time in a way that tight end has not been. So a little bit surprised Yeah, no tight ends there. have ever won this award, by the way. No tight ends have ever won the award. No. So we've got that. Um, shout out to the other finalists, by the way. Um, uh, Liatu Latu at UCLA. Joe Alt from Notre Dame. And then I got to find the last one here. Uh, I will update that when we get back here. Jonah Ellis, excuse me, as the other finalist for the Lombardi Award alongside Brock Bowers. Coming up next, though, we talked about the big matchups in this weekend. Utah and Arizona being one of them. We got to visit with Jed Fish, Arizona's head coach. Coming up next. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. Number 17, Arizona, is hosting number 22, Utah, this weekend. Now, with the W, Arizona will have their first eight-win season since 2014. Gojo caught up with Wildcats head coach Jed Fish to talk all about it. Take a listen. All right, excited to be joined uh, by Jed Fish, head coach of the University of Arizona, the 17th ranked in the most recent college football playoff poll. Arizona team that is coach coming off you know fourth straight win. You guys are bull eligible for the first time in a while around there how does it feel right now trying to take in and coach your team through all of this newfound success yeah I mean I think a lot of it has to do with um they're excited you know it's been there's no one on this team that's ever played in a bowl game so um not one player um has ever done it so it's been oh I don't know I think since 2017 there was a bowl game here that we played in and um our guys have gone through a lot of adversity uh, coming in, you know, they were on a 12 game losing streak before we got hired. Then we went one and 11. And so that's one in 23 in two years. And, um, now all of a sudden they feel a little bit, they're in uh, fruits of their labor, I guess we would say. So, uh, it's been fun though. And, but we're not done yet. We got two games that are really, really important to this uh, program. How do you, you kind of walk guys through their first taste of success at this level? I know guys come from high school programs that have great pedigree or have won a bunch of games there, but now dealing with it at this level, has there been things you've had to reinforce inside the building for these guys? Yeah, you know, we've kind of made it very clear that if you're enjoying it, keep working, right? If you like the fact that you're being recognized, keep working. Uh, it's not going to, you're not going to continue to get recognized unless you win. And you're now noticing now the reason why you're getting recognized is because you are winning. So 
if you like that, if you like the taste of that, then keep doing more of it. And, um, you know, winning becomes an addiction if it's something that uh, you're enjoying all the all all everything that comes with it. And uh, we don't shy away from it. You know, I'm not one of those coaches that I don't really always talk about going one and oh each week. I don't really talk about all the stuff that the coach talk of, you know, be allergic to the big meal and all that. I tell them embrace the big meal and, you know, let's see how good we can get. In that regard, coach, you mentioned the way you approach some of that stuff. You came up under some great coaches, uh, uh, you know, along your way and in your journey with, you know, Coach Belichick, Coach Spurrier. In your mind, what is the most important trait for a head coach? What did you come in when you took this job and say, this is what I know I want to be for this team in this role? Yeah, I think um, being honest and good communicator. I think that to me is the most important thing you could do as a head coach. And the last two head coaches I worked for was Sean McVay and Coach Belichick. And you take those two guys, and I think there's nobody that had, represents those that, those two qualities better um, with their teams. You know, you're never going to get lied to in New England. You're going to get told exactly what you did right and exactly what you did wrong and exactly where you stand. Um, and in, in L.A., you're it's – Coach McVeigh is an all-world communicator. Uh, he's fantastic at it. He believes in honest communication, and he also believes in ongoing communication. And I think that that's really a critical part that we've taken in, and that's how we've been able to recruit the way we recruit, and that's how we've been able to – I believe, get our guys to trust and believe in us. I, I, that was my next question because you mentioned the record when a lot of these guys stepped on campus and, and your guys' early time here. How do you get players and recruits even to believe without the results yet, to essentially have faith in the message you're sending even though they haven't seen the fruits of it like they do now? Yeah, we used to say we need to have uh, confidence without evidence. <laughs> And uh, when we walked onto the football field and uh, I think what it came down to is our message was pretty clear that we said this whole time that, um, you know, whether we won here or not, we have won. I know what it does look like to win. I know what it likes to coach in a Super Bowl and national championship games and Sugar Bowls and Fiesta Bowls. And um, we just have to get to it here. And um we got our best recruiting class was our first year and we were one in 11. We were coming off a one in 11 season and everything was really more along the lines of, do you want to be a part of the change or do you want to just go somewhere else where you're really not recognized? You're just plug and play. And um, we really, I think were able to get kids to believe in the, how awesome it would be. And if they're as good as they think they are, why not come here and actually be the change rather than just go to another place that was sitting at nine and three or 10 and two anyway. Coach, in that regard, you got these players to buy in. You got these recruits to decide to come and be a part of the change. As you look now at this season, there were known commodities guys. I'm sure you knew were going to be a huge part of your success. Is there a guy that going back to fall camp or the off season program that from there until now has surprised you the most and has had the biggest impact on why you guys are where you're at? Well, I mean, it's always easy to always point to quarterbacks, but I would say, you know, in our situation, um, when we brought in Jaden Delora a year ago, you know, he completely gave an entire spark to our offense. We went from being the worst offense in college football to number one in explosive plays, number six in total offense, passing offense, and 
top 20 in every category. Um, and then when Noah took over for Jaden, when Jaden had a high ankle sprain, Noah just kept it going um, because of his preparation, his habits, uh, everything he does extremely well. I'd say the guy that's been the best, I don't know if it's a surprise or not, but Jonah Coleman, our running back, um, I think he's probably leading the nation in a lot of categories right now. He had 11 carries for 179 yards last week. Uh, he's had some incredible games. He's done some incredible things. And, uh, you know, he was an under-recruited guy, three-star player with a couple offers. And all he came in here was to work, work, work. And now he's beginning to see the fruits of his labor. Uh, it's been exciting to watch. There's no doubt in that regard. And now you mentioned the fruits of your labor, enjoying the success, not shying away from the big meal. You got a big meal coming up, one of the biggest you've had this season with Utah, the defending two-time Pac-12 champions here. What's the message been to these guys this week about facing this team that's been the standard bearer in the conference? Well, that's exactly it. You know, I said, you're you're playing the champions. Until further notice, they're the Pac-12 champions. And they've been the Pac-12 champions for two straight years. So, you know, in order for us to be in the conversation, you got to beat the champions and you got to be able to match their physicality. We all know Utah is a very physical team. You have to match their toughness. You have to match and surpass their execution and recognize the fact that you got two seven and three teams uh, at 1235 p.m. on Saturday going against one another. And here's an opportunity to say, all right, the standard of Pac-12 play over a decade has been Utah. If we are who we say we are and think we are and want to be, it's time to go out there and play our best game against them on Saturday. You talked about your honesty with players, and obviously that is the backdrop alone is a lot for players to handle. But for you guys at Arizona right now, there is the news and stories coming out this week about the budgetary concerns at the university overall and how that might impact the athletic department. We're getting at the time of year where jobs open up and your name is unsurprisingly shown up on a lot of people's lists for a lot of jobs. So how do you approach those subjects with your players who no doubt see all this stuff, see it printed, see it online in their day-to-day lives? Yeah, um, it's amazing how they see everything. <laughs> you know, they see everything and know everything. And, um, you know, what, 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 again, I've tried to do is just be completely honest with them and tell them, like, hey, we have one job to do, and that's beat Utah. That's our job. That's our responsibility. Not to worry about what's going on uh, across campus on whether or not there's a budgetary issue or not. Uh, clearly, we know that there's been things that have been talked about in that regard. Uh, certainly not worry about um, them going into the transfer portal or players leaving, who's coming, coaches, and all the things that go along with that. But just more than anything, like let's just go play ball. It's what we've done really well. And the reason why I think Utah is who they are is because Kyle Winningham has been there 19 years. Being somewhere three years is not going to be able to set any standard whatsoever of the type of program we want to get to. So he's had his defensive coordinator for eight years. He's had his offensive coordinator for six years. And the stability that he's had is what's allowed them to be the standard bearer. If we want to be a standard bearer one day, we got to have great stability also. Uh, it's so true, and it's very rare in this day and age in college football that you get that. So you're right, no surprise why they've had that success. And certainly, you know, talking to you here, no surprise why you guys have had this success here now uh, in 2023 for Arizona. Coach, can't thank you enough for the time. I know you got a busy week coming up for all the reasons that you mentioned. Thanks so much. Good luck, and uh, excited to watch you guys close out the season. 
Yeah, I appreciate you having me on anytime. Thank you. Have a good one. Thanks, you too, coach.